0: Welcome to episode 46 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Diane Makani. Diane was raised on a farm and still lives on one. Horses have been her passion since she was a child. She got her first horse at nine years old and has never looked back. She's been accused many times of being one-track-minded, and that's pretty accurate. Her life has been all about Horses. Diane and her husband Bill have five children and nine grandchildren. They've had as many as 21 horses. They are an equestrian family and do boot camps at their farm and show horses together. Diane has been involved in breeding, training, instructing, and showing. Her biggest joy is developing horse and rider pairs. Diane is the author of the What the Cowgirls Do fiction book series, which is based on her in-depth knowledge of horses and the horse show world. Now, Let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to have fellow author Diane McCani on the show with me today. Hi, Diane. Welcome.
1: Hi, Carly. Nice to see you. Well, uh, welcome to you, too, and I'm really excited about this.
0: I am too. And you are an author after my own heart. You've spent a long time as a a judge, a show person, a trainer in the quarter horse world. And that's like my history and my background. So I I cannot wait to get to the part where we start talking about your books because that's what your books are about. So I, I was really excited to have you on the show today. But the way I always love to start these conversations off is to learn about how your love affair with horses began.
1: Well, my love affair started many, many years ago. I'm a grandma, as you know, from seeing the notes that I have to send you. So I've been in this business, fun, whatever you want to call it, for a long, long time. But it started when I was a little girl. I don't remember how old I was. But the first time I can remember anything with horses is trail riding with my dad at a stables that was in the little town where we lived. About four miles away, there was a trail riding place along the highway. And he took me there because obviously I had been begging to go riding. I obviously liked horses already. So he took me trail riding a few times at that stables. That's what started it all. And I wanted a horse. I was then 10 years old and I wasn't taking no for an answer. So my parents finally decided, yes, Diane can have a horse, but she had to pay for it herself. And this is definitely one of those cases of do as I say, not as I did. because. I bought a yearling. I was 10 years old and I bought a yearling grade quarter horse mare. Her her sire was a registered quarter horse and she was a sorrel filly. So that was my first horse. She knew nothing. I knew nothing. My parents were not horse people, although my dad did love horses. And that's how I started. This was in, I'll date myself by telling you, but let me see. If I was 10 years old, this was in 1961. Things were a lot different in the horse world in 1961.
0: Absolutely. But I think you just described so many young people's stories when they first, you know, get their first horse. It's like a passion. Their parents often don't know or are not horse people. So, you know, I when I was like you and young and I got my first horse, I was 10 and my parents didn't know anything about horses. And I had to pay for a part of her myself. And I got a horse that probably wasn't the best fit for a green New horse owner, because she was also green, so I you know yes. I think a lot of the things are the same, and the desire to own a horse kind of like just come with with us as horse people, would you agree? Yes, to? you know your your whole life has sort of been invented around horses, which is which is really exciting, and I can't wait to talk to about this. You're an author and an instructor and a speaker in the horse field. You've also been a breeder, a trainer, an instructor, a judge, and a showman of quarter horses so why diane did you decide to design your life uh around horses like in your career like how, how, why why did you go that route and tell us about your journey
1: well i guess because I'm one track minded that's what they tell me i am i i'm just a horse person and that's as as a child i read horse books like crazy anything I could get my hands on. And I'm a person who reads a book more than once or more than twice. If I like it, I'll go back and read it. And the neat thing is I find something new in it every time I may know what's happening. My husband teases me, does the ending change? And it doesn't, but a lot of things change because you notice a lot of things a second and third time through that you don't know. You you don't catch the first time. Same thing with watching a movie over. So, yeah, I just started out with this intense love affair with horses, and it went through my childhood. When we got married, it went through my children, my daughters, not my sons, but my daughters inherited it, and I just kept on going. I should tell you, when I started going out with my husband, and I'm kind of unique in this area is he's the first guy I ever went out with and he's I married him and we now have been married 48 years so it's it's a long time but the first time he came over to my house it was the summer after my sophomore year and the summer after his junior year in high school so I was 16 and he was just about to turn 17 but the first thing I did when I went out in the yard to meet him when he got there is told him, let me take you up the hill to meet my horse. And he said, I've never met a horse before. And I said, well, you are about to. So we went up the hill and we met my horse, met my horse whose name was Flickam Mischief. And I have used that on him many times since, because whenever he starts claiming, complaining about my horses, I tell him, well, hey, the first time you came to my house, you knew where I was going that's the first thing I did was introduce you to my horse so you can't say you weren't forewarned
0: that is so right on and you warned it sounds like he's very supportive and 48 years is nothing to sneeze at that's really magical
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he is not a horse person but he's as involved and intense in what he does which is hunting as I am in the horses. And so we understand each other because, you know, we each have something we are very intent on and, you know, we put a lot of effort into.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you both have a passion that you're pursuing and that makes for an even richer, more fulfilling relationship when you have, you know, when you each have a passion that, that you can pursue. Your What the Cowgirls Do series, I love the the name of the series, What the Cowgirls Do series includes 13 books. This is so amazing. The characters in the series live in the modern West, and they deal with problems facing those in the ranching and horse industry. 13 books is incredible. Let's talk a little bit about What the Cowgirls Do series and your inspiration for, for the series.
1: Okay, well, how it all got started... My daughters were teenagers at the time. One was 13, one was 17. I have have five kids, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. And they're all two to two and a half years apart. And the girls are number two and number four in the lineup. So they were 13 and 17 and they're horse girls too. And they like to read too, but there weren't a lot of good horse books at the time for kids that age. They were a little bit old for the Thoroughbred series, a little bit old for the Saddle Club series. And romance series that have western backgrounds a you don't want some of them reading some of those romance stories at that age and and b most of the horse stuff in it was bad or at best you know faulty so we had been showing for quite a while already then and i was out cleaning the barn one morning after they had gone to school and this happened a lot with me i got a lot of inspiration cleaning stalls um, I thought, you know, we have so many good horror stories that have happened to us when we've been showing. Why don't I sit down and try and write a story for my girls? So that's how I started writing. And it was springtime. And I just sat down in the mornings. My husband would go to work and I'd write for a little while. Then I'd get the kids up for school and I'd write a little while. And then after they'd leave, I'd do my barn work and then I'd write a little while. And So it went. They knew I was writing them a book, but I wouldn't let them read it till it was done. The funny thing is, by the time I got done with the first one, I had an idea for the second one. And that's how it went. I finished one and then I'd have an idea for another one. And it went on through number 13. I, like I said, I started writing in 94. I don't remember the first, when I first published the first one, maybe, you know, 97, 98, maybe something like that. Uh, the number 13 was published in 2009. Hmm. And then, which is 11 years ago already. And then I took a break. And not that I purposely took a break. I did have a number 14 started. In fact, I still haven't started. I think it has three chapters. But I just, I couldn't get going on that one. I put it away and I'd start again. And I put it away, I think probably because that's the one I had probably the most developed before I started, I am a right by the seat of my pants offer. I come up with a vague idea, get some characters going and see where it takes me. And a lot of the books, number three for one, took me in a totally different direction than I planned on going. Yeah, number 12 for another one. Which is related to number three. I guess maybe that's why I never thought of that. Again, you know, things came in there that I had never dreamed of when I came up with the idea, and it just took me where it was going. The characters told you know told me the story, and I just typed.
0: I love um, that. I love that. So I am exactly the same way. I, I've tried plotting, but I'm just I like there. There in the author world, there's two two types of authors that that they talk about. The pantsers, which is yeah, like, That's us. right by the seat of our pants, and we kind of turn our muse over to our characters to tell us what to do. I've also heard it called discovery writing, which kind of sounds a little bit better than being a pantser. <laughs> and then there's the plotters, right? The people who you know outline their books and like have the structure and they know how it's going. But but it's okay. I mean, however, creati- creativity comes to you that's how you got to run with it, you know, because I've tried plotting and that doesn't work for me. So I'm a better discovery writer. And so it sounds like you are the same way.
1: Yes, that's probably what my problem with book 14 is, is that was the one I had the most plotted out. And that's the one I never finished. Now I'm writing again, I started about, I don't know, a week or 10 days ago, all of a sudden one day and I was in the barn again, when, when I got an idea, I thought. And, and I've wanted to start right again, but it just hasn't been there. And that day in the barn, I thought, oh, my gosh, I have an idea what to write. And I came in and I started writing and I'm about half done right now. I mean, the fastest I ever wrote a book before was six weeks. I would try Once I started publishing them, I tried to write a book a year and they, I'd have them come out just before Christmas so the people who were buying them could have them for Christmas presents. When I was hadn't started book 10, it was the end of like the third week in September no ideas, you know, nothing. We were out our camp one day. Um, Bill was hunting and I was sitting in the camp and I thought of seven words that became book 10 that I wrote in six weeks. And that's the fastest I ever wrote one. This one is probably gonna beat it if, because now as retired people, we have the time. I can sit down and write a lot more than I could when I was raising a family. But uh, yeah, so now I'm writing again after 11 years of a dry spell. And it's it's fun. I'm having a ball with this one. It it's still part of the series A lot of the old characters are showing up But yeah, talk about having writer's block for a long time
0: <laughs> That's great I, I'm so happy to hear that you know The muse is, is there and, and ready to write and that being out in the barn inspires writing that happens for a lot of us That are equine authors and yes. I you know I wanted to talk a little bit more about Like your writing process because writing a book in six weeks is is really incredible writing 13 books is really incredible (laughs) can you share with listeners like how long is an average book for you and then do you have like do you have a special time to write or how is your day structured so you can get a book done that quickly
1: well like I said when my kids were in school they had to get up um, well, they were supposed to get up by 6 o'clock. Some of the boys got up at 10 to 7 and the bus came at 7. But, mm-hmm. So I had a little time to write after he left for work, and I would. Then i get them up, get them out on their way, do my barn work, and then i come in and usually write a little bit in the morning. But then, of course, you have to do housework. You have to do more. You know, if I was riding at the time horses that needed riding. I had to do that. And so then I usually try and write again a little bit in the evening, but with the family around that didn't always happen. By the time they were older and in high school or in college, I could usually write in the evening, but when they were younger, not too much. Now, like I said, now it's easy because I just don't do it. I mean, there's nobody here but my husband and me and the dogs. <laughs> and so I have a whole lot more time to write and you know, but that's, that's how I fit it in. And that's, what, you know, it, like I said, about a year for most books, depending what time I start, you know, when I started it. But that's, that's where I fit it in.
0: That's, that's really great. Well, you made time for it, because a lot of yes. authors have the conversation, gosh, where do I fit this in? I don't have enough time. And and you do, you do exactly what you had to do to squeeze it in here and squeeze it in there, and you know, do yes. still keep up with life and your responsibilities, but you made it a priority. You made time to be creative, which is yes. awesome. And then, how long generally are each one of your books in your series? Um, I went back and looked.
1: Book one is six, just over sixty-one thousand words.
0: Okay, that's um, a
1: that's that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, book uh, book book six is book six, which is my favorite, is seventy-six thousand over seventy-six thousand words. Book thirteen is the Longest. It is almost ninety thousand words.
0: Okay, these are full-on novels. That's what I was wondering. You know, <laughs> it, it, are the you know were, were they a little bit shorter? So, but these are big books. So yeah, writing them quickly—that's impressive. And I wanted to talk a little bit about your covers too, because as a horse girl and as a Western pleasure lover and as a quarter horse, you know, lover from from being a little cowgirl, your covers really speak to me. I, I saw one that had. Uh, showmanship on it. I saw one that had the silhouette of a Western pleasure horse, which you know immediately attracted me. So, can will you talk a little bit about what inspired your covers, and perhaps hold up the few that you have? A bunch of eBooks on you have a bunch yes. of too, but you have some paperbacks there with you. So, could you hold up a couple of the covers and talk about the inspiration behind your covers?
1: Okay. First, I'll tell you about my publishing and my covers because they go together. Oh, great. Um, I I publish my own books. I'm a self-published author, but not like the kind of self-published author that uses a vanity press or a print on demand for their paperbacks. I literally did them myself. Not only do I write by the seat of my pants, I I market by the seat of my pants. (laughs) Um, Like I said, five kids, they were in high school, then in college, my husband told me I can write all I want. He didn't have a problem with it, but we couldn't spend a lot of money on it. Well, when I started writing in those days, the, on-demand, the there wasn't on-demand publishing that I was aware of. And the vanity presses made you buy you know print so many books at a time and by that time I probably had eight or nine I knew if I started one publish publishing one I'd want to publish the whole series and now we're talking you know big bucks and like I said we had kids in college one right after another every two years so I decided I was going to see about doing it myself well my sister owned a little regional horse magazine that she published so she had some better uh printers technology than I did so she said she would print the bodies for me if if I'd sent them over to her so she did so for many years she printed my bodies I designed the covers and she printed them and then at the time my son who was playing high school hockey in a a city uh, about 110 miles from here I found a little publishing company that would buy them for me because that was the biggest thing and they said he said he would be happy to do it and in whatever runs I wanted if I wanted to print 10 books or if I wanted to print 100 books or if I wanted to print 25 books he would do it the price would be accordingly but it was a price I could afford that I could then you know charge and sell my books that's that's how I started so I had to design my own covers probably mid to late 90s technology wasn't so great yet so what I started with Was just plain covers with a border with silhouette horses on it pertaining to what the story was about like the first one had A guy and a girl riding across The P on what looked like him on a ranch horse or on a western pleasure type horse the second one This is a second version of it, but it's it's pretty much like the first version was this one is the ride of my life uh Andy in this book is riding for the all-around youth title in the quarter horse industry, and so these are silhouette horses of all the events that she competed in.
0: That's a beautiful is- cut. Co- that's a beautiful cover. That completely speaks to me. I saw a rainer on there, a jumper, yeah. an English, you know, like hunt seat, western pleasure. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There's a horse squared up, like showmanship. I mean, you know, your audience, you you designed your cover like you were, and you were resourceful. I mean, this is the coolest thing about your conversation. Even before print on demand was available, you found a way to make your author dream happen. So there's always a way to do this and not spend a million dollars, right? Yes. And, and you have a product right there. That totally speaks to your audience, so like very, very cool, all right, back to the cover, show me more, <laughs> okay, so then number three, this is the only original cover I have left
1: because I've done you know several runs of my books and so this is this is the original cover of three, and this is has the cowboy who is uh main character in this this book, and then it has the lady who is doing trail in this picture. And so that was my first cover of book three. Now this is the cover, e cover, and this is the one you were talking about. Um, These e covers I just printed out this morning from what I have. But this is the showmanship one. And I decided when I started publishing them as eBooks that I was going to change the covers. My pick, my covers stuck all the way through with the the silhouettes. This is my uh, second run of the first book, which just had. Uh, you know, was playing with just the two writers. Now it has a background. Technology has improved and I could put color pictures in the background.
0: Yeah, so but you did, you did such a great job though. Like that doesn't even really look like you worked, you know, kind of outside the standard publishing industry at the time to make a book that resonates with your, your readers. So like you really did a great job.
1: Well, with the you well thank you. Yeah. I, I've been a fairly creative person in, in, you know, my my whole life and this was fun for me again I write because it's fun for me I design my covers because it's fun for me Mm -hmm. but when I got to my ebooks I decided I wanted to change the covers so I picked pictures that would match the story a lot of which so far I have have taken myself but I kind of wanted a guy and a girl because of my first love so I had a friend who had a picture like that who another friend who is a, now a, a really really good equine photographer she sold me the picture that had the guy and the girl walking with the horse
0: hmm. but we
1: had a little problem it was in color and it's a really nice picture but her horse is an Appaloosa <laughs> now nothing against Appaloosas but you know the lady in the book is showing corner horses she can't have an Appaloosa on the cover <laughs> so Lisa who took the picture told me that she would edit she could edit it out and make it look like a roan which was great because in the end of the book the main character is riding a roan at at a futurity show so that was fantastic I really like the picture so that's how my first cover came
0: and it's a very it's a very romantic picture too I mean like you know for, for for women growing up showing in that in that you know that space like watching the handsome horse trainer walk away with the horse just, that just captures that so perfectly right there
1: <laughs> and the cute story about that is the two people in the story are getting married I contacted her and she said could they have a copy of it that you know she wants that at her wedding as you know to be there with all the other stuff that she has there so yes, yeah, she will have a picture of the cover of the book Oh, cool. At her her wedding ceremony. I have warned my friends, my horse acquaintances, all their lives since I've been writing. you never know when you're going to turn up in my books. And now I can say you never know when you're going to turn up on a cover.
0: What I'm hearing is that you are going through the process right now of taking your print books, which you've had for a very long time, and and getting those getting the whole series available on Amazon. Is that is that what you're currently working on right now? Yes.
1: I I started that a year ago in January. Mm -hmm. I got I got the first ones out. I just now did four. And I will continue on. I'm trying to do it one a month until I get caught up through thirteen and by then fourteen should be done. But uh, that's that's how I decided, you know, that I started on the ebooks when I realized that there was technology out there that I could handle because I'm I'm you know I'm a grandma I'm kind of technology challenged to say the least. I had to go to my grandson and my granddaughter to get a microphone and earphones to do this. But yes, yeah, so I decided I would publish them as ebooks and see if I could get them out to a wider audience than than I have been. Like I said, I've I've done well enough, but I'd like to do
0: better. Yeah, and a few things about that, like one, you know you are amazing like you are embracing technology look what you're doing you're getting your physical books into amazon so you can reach more readers with your ebooks you're getting involved in a passion project that's that makes you feel alive you know working with your books and recreating the series and then reaching reaching people with your words so i Give you a super high five for embracing this and being on the show with me today, because I know technology can be scary or scary for <laughs> the older generation because it's new and there's so much to learn, but you're like getting help and you're out there and you're you're doing it. and I'm like so impressed, and I, I think that's really great. Well, thank you. You're in the process of perhaps reaching an entire new audience of of readers because you're putting your books on the Amazon platform. So what? What are some, what are some of the ways you're looking at, or how have you reached readers in the past? And then how are you looking at perhaps reaching new readers now that you have your books in a digital format?
1: The, the biggest thing that gave me the biggest boost in getting book sales, you know, in the marketing end of it was having an article in America's horse, mm. uh, which, which is no more as of just recently, but America's horse comes out, went out to, and, and, you didn't have to subscribe to it. America's Horse was any AQHA member got it. So that ha- it had a big readership. So I wrote to them and asked them, you know, told them my story about how I wrote these books and they were about quarter horse showing. Would they be interested in doing, I asked them if they'd be interested in doing an article on me and they said, yes. So I gave them the particulars. Uh, they wrote up the article. I gave them some pictures and I was in the magazine and that did a, a, a lot in sales other than that, it's been word of mouth. When Facebook came out, you know, some Facebook work. So I do it for the love of doing it. And, you know, I sell what I sell, but I'm hoping to get a bigger readership now that that it's there on Amazon and as an ebook and, you know, things like doing this with you will help.
0: Absolutely. I was just going to say that. And, you know, working with equestrian publications, I mean, working, you have to work with, you have to know how to work with the media. And obviously you do because you, you told them a story, you shared them with them why your story would be important, and you got that coverage. So there are ways, and you're doing it already, to market your books without having to spend a lot of money. It's very, very possible to do. Congratulations. So uh, I, I always like to ask these questions too, and you've been doing this for a long while. You've been writing books for a long while. So for you, what has been the hardest part about being an author, besides you know not being able to spend a whole lot of money on your passion, right? But what has been the hardest part about being an author? And then on the flip side, what's been the very best part for you about your author career?
1: The best part is hearing from people who appreciate my books. Write more, write more. Oh, I read your, you know, your book. Can you write some more? Or you know, keep on that type of thing. The other thing is I've been able to hit an audience that's kind of broad, sweeping. Um, I started these writing these books for my teenage daughters. And I figured, you know, they would be teen, older teenage girls is what I marketed them to. But I found out that women read them probably more than older teenage girls. You know, teenagers, they get to that age and they don't have time for reading and blah, blah, blah. So, but a lot of women started reading them and liked them. And I probably have more women readers than I do teenage girl readers right now. The other thing is guys. I had a, a f- cowboy friend from Utah who bought the whole series and loved them? He, I mean, he'd write to me all the time, call me all the time. I know him personally and say, uh, you know, how much fun they are. So guys read them. I always kind of said they were from girls, maybe like 13 years old and on up, you know, through women. So I hit a broad range of audience with these books, and you know, that's been really nice to know because that's kind of you know, they're about life. They're about life with horses, life on a ranch, and there's all ages even grandmas and um uh, yeah it's it's been really rewarding to know that a lot of ages enjoy my books
0: that's awesome feedback so lots of good going on definitely so and then like on the flip side of that what has been the most difficult part about your author journey probably
1: Just the marketing part. You know, you have to market if you're going to sell books, but I'd rather write. I'd rather design covers. Marketing is, you know, that's mundane stuff that you have to do, but I'd rather do the other stuff.
0: (laughs) You're not alone. That happens to everybody. I think that is probably one of the most common responses I get to that question is that the authors just want to write. They don't want to do the marketing. So, and there's people out there that can help you with that and get it off your plate. Like, you know, so... But yeah, that, I mean, it is part of the package of being an author. The only way people are going to find out about your books is if you're sharing about your books with everybody, and that is marketing. But in uh, word of mouth always helps spread books, so don't discount word of mouth. I was wondering, since you've been doing this successfully for so long and you have so many books written, what advice would you give to an aspiring author who wants to write about horses? Like, what would you tell that person?
1: i go with the age-old theory that someone told me a long time ago, and that's write what you know about. Hmm. Uh, That's what I did. I wrote what I know about. I mean, our whole life is in these books. And that's what I wrote about. I wrote about our life, the things that happen in these books are things that happen to us. The second book is especially like that, because um, it's a book basically about her year long year you know, trying to win this all-around title. And so they're at shows practically every weekend. And the things that happen at these shows happen to us. The sleepwalking incident in the motel, uh, that's a famous one we always like to talk about. You know, some of the Congress incidents that we had when we were at Congress, it's, you know, they all show up in, in the book. And, you know, it was easy to write about because it's stuff I lived through and, you know, with my girls. So yeah, uh, you'll write what you know about. That's, That's why I could never be a fantasy writer. I know fantasy and sci-fi is huge right now, and it's not my genre. It's not something I enjoy reading, um, and I could never write it because I do, I have a, an imagination for horse books, but I don't have an imagination like that. I have to write about what I know about, what I lived about.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great, and listening to you talk about some of those moments from your you know your daughter showing life and and Congress and all those things kind of gives me goosebumps because like I can remember doing that too, as a, as a young woman. And, and I, that's so great that you're capturing that because what a testament it is for your family, but then also a gift to other people to experience that world and then writing very specifically for people who do what we do. I mean, that's just, that's just fabulous. Thank you for, for doing that. So you know what I'm really interested to know is I know you're working on the next book in this series. So soon there will be 14 and you've got more ideas brewing all the time and you're, you're galloping towards, more in the series. But what are you curious about right now? What, what, do you, what are you up to? What are you thinking? What's next?
1: I just hope when I get done with 14, I don't have a dry
0: spell again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I
1: actually have a couple of vague ideas where I could go after this. So we'll see if I keep on writing, especially like I said, because this one is just rolling off the pages. And I've kind of entered a different phase in my life. You know, the mm-hmm. the early books are all about, you know, the Show life and what we did when we were showing, and then there, with during the break, things changed because my girls grew up, they now have kids of their own, and now my granddaughters are are riding, and they're friends, and I don't give lessons anymore. I got my amateur card back, I showed a little bit, but not much because I realized a long time ago that I have more fun being on the sidelines, watching my daughter's show, watching my granddaughter's show. And that is basically what the 14th book is about now. Uh, I use, I use a lot of the old characters. I have a lot of new characters. Um, But yeah, so, you know, that's, that's where my life is changing. That's where my curiosity is going. That's where, where things are headed.
0: Very cool! I love that. I am so excited about your book series and that that you're getting all of them up there and, and flowing through Amazon, so you can reach even more readers. And that I love what I love the topic you're writing about. This is like my my world that you're describing here. It's been so exciting to talk to you. So, Diane, can you tell me where people can find? you and your books? The
1: best place to find me is on Facebook. Um, I have my own personal Facebook page where I post all my writing stuff, which is my name, Diane Marie McConnie. And I also have my Tamarack Farm Publishing Facebook page. That's what I call my publishing company when I was doing my hard my soft cover books myself, Tamarack Farm Publishing. So I have that Facebook page where there's probably some, you know, even more in depth stuff than on my private page. Other than that, um, emailing me, uh, my email address is on them. So that's another way to get a hold of me.
0: Great. And so if people want to get paperback versions of your book. The best way to get a hold of you it right it, now is to email you about wanting the books. Is that yeah. right? Email me or Facebook me about wanting them. That's great. And then the digital copies, you know, you you're slowly loading them all onto Amazon. So they will be there as well. Yes. And so if you're having an easy time putting the digital up onto Amazon, the print on demand having a print book available is pretty much just as simple. Okay. As, but we could maybe follow up and have a conversation if you want to explore what what that's like a little bit more. So but I'm really okay excited for you that you are taking this on and getting your books out there and getting this wider distribution I mean you can reach so many more readers but I love that you were determined to do it you did it yourself first you found a way to make it happen before any of this independent you know publishing technology was available you did this first you were like a pioneer here and
1: now I, I have we have always said my girls and I that you know, there's a lot of things that we've been ahead of times with. And I guess maybe doing this myself because there was no print on demand. That's one of them. And I talk about a few of them. in My, my book five, which happens to be my life growing up. I, yeah. I wrote book one, two, three, and four. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, I have tons of good stories from my childhood. But they don't really fit in really well with my modern era horse Uh, people so I so I have to come up with a way to use them so I came up with a flashback book but that book five is my childhood growing up and it's a flashback every chapter starts out with a group of horse friends who were my friends as kids at a a reunion and then they, they flash back to all the things they did growing up with the horses and uh so that's that's what that one is about and that's that's where that comes in and that I want to mention just because it's kind of unique is we had a junior high English teacher who was a fiend oh my gosh everybody hated her because she was so hard we had to diagram sentences and we had to conjugate verbs and it was hard and it was miserable and it was icky and today, I am so glad that I had that lady for 7th, 8th, and ninth grade English because she taught me how to write. She taught me sentence structure. I read books and, you know, misplaced modifiers and dangling things. And, and yes, when you're writing, not everything is a complete sentence because I write like I think. And so there are phrases here and there, but I know sentence structure and all that because of Miss Lawrence in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. And I got to say thank you to her because it has made editing a breeze it has made writing a breeze because you kind of get it halfway right in the first place and then editing makes it is that much easier but yeah I just wanted to mention that because we hated her then and I love her now
0: <laughs> that's funny appreciate your teachers and pay attention in English class right so yes, that, that's especially so if you plan on writing uh, yes so you know what? If only we knew then what we know now, right? That's kind of like yes. how it always goes. But yes. but you know, Diane, you have been so fun to speak with today. I've so enjoyed having you on the show. I wish you tons of success with you know the next steps in your author career, and keep writing those books. And I can't wait to see how your adventure goes. And well, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been really a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to CarlyCadeCreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at CarlyCadeCreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.